our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your hosts, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Hi, Sim. Hi, Sonia. Can you believe that we've stuck to this for seven seasons now? I cannot believe you have stuck to this for seven seasons now. Guys, I'm still here. You know, Sim tries to tear me down. You know, we have like these really aggressive arguments on air, but every week I'm here. Aggressive arguments? I'm totally (laughs) kidding. It's me. I'm the one doing the bullying. It's okay. I can live with it. (laughs) And like our really tame discussions. I listened back to our episode that we did a few weeks ago on like, is there such thing as a self-made millionaire? Because that episode kept getting reshared a lot and a lot of people were putting it on their stories. And I was like, oh, this is like really doing well. Let me listen back to it. And it was just us starting off being like, we're going to fight. <laughs> we're going to have an argument. And it was the most embarrassing argument because we were like, that makes so much sense, Sonia. Thank you so much for sharing. You were like, Sim, oh my God, I've never thought of it that way. Good point. Yeah, we've evolved, you know. You joined me nearly at 27 years old. We started the podcast when I was like, what, 24? Yeah, 23, 24. So cute. Love it. Would you say that like we're losing our fire because I feel like we're getting nicer and tamer and I don't love it. I don't think it's that great for the brand personally. Every second Instagram post was something about like us arguing, like two podcast besties just like arguing. And now it's just peace. There's just peace on the gram. On the gram? On the gram, on our podcast. I think this is what the people deserve though. I don't think it's what they want though. (laughs) You let us know. I digress. If you are interested in hearing us continue to argue, let us know. And, you know, we can just like wake up a little bit earlier to record because that's when I'm most cranky and that's also Sonia's evening. So that's when she's the most exhausted. So we can do it like that. We can absolutely do so. This week we are talking about trusts and trusts are something that honestly, it wasn't something I understood when I was growing up. The first time I ever heard about a trust was when people would talk about like trust fund babies. And so I had this miss 
misconception that a trust is just like an online bank account that has a lot of money and it slowly releases that money to like a teenager who lives in New York, who has like a chihuahua in her handbag and her name is Paris Hilton. Like that is all I thought trusts were. (laughs) Not the case. We'll get into it today. But this episode is going to talk about why you should put things into trust, but also why you shouldn't and what you shouldn't. It kind of came about because I shared on my Instagram story that I had bought house number two, which is crazy. And I put that house in a trust. And a lot of people were asking why, what was the reason, why not, like X, Y, Z and pros and cons. The beauty of trusts is they are very similar no matter where you live in the world. So this is applicable. And if there's any differences, we will let you know. Like Sonia is also going to talk about like costs of trust in different parts of the world. So we've got you covered. But what an interesting episode. I can't believe we're going to make trusts fun again. I'm going to try my hardest to make trusts fun again. You think of chihuahuas, I think that it's government related. So I completely didn't think about it when I was younger. I was like, public trust. Yeah. Like, that's a level of wealth that I didn't even think of, you know? I mean, that makes sense. Like, if you were to ask me, what is a trust? Even today, I would not have been able to come up to you with like this answer, but in technical language, a trust is a relationship where one party, known as a truster, gives another party, the trustee, the right to hold a title to property or other assets for the benefit of a third party, the beneficiary. And you might go, what on earth does that mean? Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) When I think of trust, I like to imagine like a fence in a farm and whatever is in the farm is owned by this trust. And the benefit of that is you can have someone that owns the farm, the farmer, and the farmer puts the ring around. He chooses what animals or what assets go into the farm, but it's not just for his benefit. He can have his children or partner also own those animals and it's very different to a will because people go well why do I not just have a will then if I'm trying to give my assets to other people a will is something that happens when you pass away a trust is something that gives other people ownership even while you're still alive and so that is a really clear distinction but if you just imagine this ring fence that you're creating you're getting to decide okay, do I put a house in that? Do I put my business in that? Do I put my income in that? Do I put artwork in that? Do I put my shares in that? Basically, you decide what gets ring fenced and it's getting protected. And so we're going to talk about why that would be a good thing and why it wouldn't. But before we begin, I have to ask you, did you have any thoughts about trust besides the fact that it was like a government owned thing? (laughs) No, I think I was aligned with you in terms of like trust fund babies, things that we didn't really have to think about, (laughs) things that I put out of my mind just like investing when I was younger. I don't know. It's like something about trust and the way that it was talked about like in movies. It was very much so like high net worth people, people who are going to be passed down like a lot of assets that were talking about it and the trust fund baby term, you know, what else was I supposed to think? But it's so much more than that. And I'm so glad that we're talking about it and that people are curious to know more about it. Also, like before we begin, I think it's so worth mentioning that to have a trust is not something that you have to do 
if you are super wealthy. It is something that is a lot more accessible than I thought growing up. I mean, like, look at me. I didn't even think to look into it until my house number two. I could have had a trust when I was so much younger with just my shares or just my first home. And so it's a learning journey that we're all on. But you might be sitting here and going, okay, so I understand that you can put assets in a trust. I understand it's to like ring fence your assets and protect them. But what does that actually mean? Like who are we protecting them from? Who can get access to it? Why would you ever put a house into a trust? And the first reason is it protects your assets against creditors. So as we know, creditors are people that if your business goes bankrupt or you personally declare bankruptcy or something happens happens in your life where you suddenly owe a lot of money and no one often has creditors coming towards them for like issues that they have foreseen. Like no one's like, oh yeah, I thought the creditors would come by July. Like it's often like very last minute stressful situations. (laughs) Yeah. Think Shit's Creek. Think the first scene of Shit's Creek where their house is just getting dethroned. Like (laughs) completely emptied out by a whole bunch of people with like ugly yellow lanyards <laughs> it's basically the government being like this doesn't belong to you anymore and just Moira screaming that's what you think of <laughs> and they would have avoided that if they had their assets in a trust <laughs> <laughs> well they had the hotel the motel <laughs> so let me explain what i mean by that when you have a trust you're basically giving up ownership of whatever you own and the trust owns it. So the trust is like a person. So rather than me owning the house, when I put my house into a trust, I don't own that home anymore. The trust owns that home. I am the trustor, like I am the person that has put things into that trust, but I've also got my name as the beneficiary. So I benefit from the trust. So anyone who is on the trust has benefit or access to that trust, but we don't own it. So I can live in it. I have to still pay the mortgage, unfortunately. I can do whatever I want with it. I can paint it up, but I don't own it. So when the bank comes for me, if they come for me, I mean, you know, touch wood that life works out. If anything happens and they're like, right, Simran, everything under your name, your assets and your liabilities, we have to sell things off. They would take my little Mazda because that's under my name and they would take my shares because those aren't in a trust, but they wouldn't be able to take my house because I'd be like, look, I don't own it. You kind of like clean your hands of it and it's not your property anymore, even though you still live in it. So that is one of the benefits. Thoughts? My thoughts are is that that is probably one of the most popular reasons that the wealthy have decided to put things into trusts. You know, I would like to think that it's for their family and the people that they care about, but it makes sense. I feel like it's almost a relief if you have this house under a trust, you know that it's going to be like within your family and still within your assets, kind of, no matter what happens. You know, like the bank can't take it. Whereas like your Mazda, who cares about your Mazda? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, if someone takes that, I'd actually be really happy. Please get off me. (laughs) Really? I love your Mazda. Guys, I have a Mazda CX-3. If you have no idea what that means, imagine an old woman with white hair driving a Mazda. That is my car. Anytime I see someone else with the same car as me, obviously you look to see who it is. It is always a woman with white hair. I have bought an old lady car unwillingly. And what's wrong with that, you know? Because people don't give me way. They assume I'm an old woman too. They're just like, oh, this poor old lady. 
let's just overtake her. And then they see me with black hair and they're like, oh, interesting. (laughs) Anyway, the second reason why people have trust, and this is more based in the States, but it does apply to some other countries. When you have things in a trust, you get to avoid what's called probate court. Now, probate court is, you know, when you pass away, everything that you own kind of gets put through probate court. It's a process where anyone can see the size of your estate and see what you own. And it's like public records. Like let's say I didn't have any money in a trust and I lived in the States and I passed away. It would be like, okay, Simran Kaur had three homes and they were worth this much and they were in these States. And now this money is going to be split to her family according to her will. Because it's public knowledge, Probate court has meant that a lot of families who have had people not be on the will, they've been able to see what the entire estate was worth because it's public knowledge. And then there's been lots of fights and arguments and people trying to take the will to court and say, well, my siblings got all this land and I can see it because it's all public knowledge. Why didn't I not get it? And if something is in a trust, it suddenly is not allowed to be public knowledge. Also, probate court is different state by state. So you have to do this in every single state that applies to you and your family. Not obviously the same in every country, but it is such a strong reason. It also then helps with reducing taxes. But imagine if you have property in like three states, you have three different probate courts to go by. The costs add up. And there have been people that have paid tens of thousands of dollars through the process. And so even just having a trust for that sense saves your family money while they're grieving you. There's just so many things for families to fight about, you know? And I feel like suing in the US is such an art that an advantage of a trust and like something that pulls people in is like, you will not need to go to court probably, (laughs) you know, like that's like. Who has time for court? Just let me have what I need. I am grieving. Like, let me move on. The third reason why trusts are important and probably for me, the most important reason, like, look, for me, I'm not worried about creditors. I don't live in the States, but for me, what. I needed a trust for and what my accountant recommended me to get a trust for is it keeps that property in the names of the people that you want it to stay in. Unlike a will, which like I said, when you pass away will be something that people would know where things go. When you have a trust, like I said, it's not my property anymore. So if I was to get married, this is property that I have gotten pre marriage and obviously prenups really help in this regard too. But if I was to get married or be in a de facto relationship and then it was to end, that property's not mine. So it doesn't fall into the 50-50 split of assets in a relationship. And so that is really helpful. It also means that in my trust, I can set up certain rules and say, okay, when I pass away, my children get access to the properties or property in the trust, but it will never leave the trust and my children cannot pull that property out and put their name on it because in that regard, then their partners have access to like dispute it and say that they have right and ownership. So it stops my future partners from taking the property and it stops my children's future partner. Basically, it's like no man (laughs) puts his hand on the house. Is there ways to override that though? Yes. Okay. Because I just feel like if there is a way, 
people will try it. Of course. And look, when you're dealing with something like property, like what is 10 grand to get a lawyer to see if you can like grab your hands on it? So this has been contested a few times in court, having property and trust and partners going, well, it's still joint property. We've still done X, Y, Z. So having a trust and a prenup gives you a little bit more of a protection. Some people will say that trusts aren't even that safe anymore. And so people will make sure that they have a property agreement with their partners. In the same way, prenups by themselves are not always enough. So you almost want to like talk to a lawyer and see all the things that you need to do. But for me, this is the main thing. I now have a house and that house has a significant amount of money deposited into that house, like a lot of equity. And so when I pass away or if things happen to me, I want that to go to my family. I want that to go to my siblings. And if or when I have children, I want part of that to go to my child. You can also say, hey, I do want this to go to my partner. I do want this to go to like any person. But the beauty is you get to choose and decide. And I just think that's really important. Now, the final reason, and this has actually been taken out of New Zealand, so it doesn't matter for Kiwis anymore, but there are some tax benefits of having trust. So back like five months ago in New Zealand, like before I made my trust, you could put money into a trust and the trust could only be taxed up to a certain percent. And that was less than if you owned that. So you basically were like, oh, the trust only pays, you know, X amount of tax. So I'll just put all my money and profit into there. It's different now. There's no real strong tax benefits to trusts in New Zealand. Very different to the UK, very different to Canada, very different to states. There are tax benefits in all of them. But these are the reasons why you should have a trust. And you might listen to this and go, okay, they're not that interesting. They're not that exciting. It's not like groundbreaking. It isn't. It just is, like I said, the little fence around your farm. You're the farmer. You just want to protect. You can choose what you put in there and you can protect it. And you might get a few tax benefits. That's it. Super simple. They're extremely valid as well. Like I feel like you've presented it in a way that it is a great option for someone that might not have even been considering it. With that being said, I'm here to burst your bubble. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like with everything in life, there are disadvantages to everything that you do. You know, every decision that you make has its cons. I'm totally kidding. That statement was not aligned with my Delulu era right now. But what I'm trying to say is that while the advantages of putting your property in a trust or your assets in a trust, I should say, they're valid. So are the disadvantages. Now, the first disadvantage is that it can be a little bit spendy right from the get-go with setting up a trust. It usually involves legal assistance. So if you're setting up a trust through a lawyer, you have to pay their legal fees. And with New Zealand, that can be upwards of $200. And if you're looking at North America, the US, Canada, you're looking at the thousands mark. And with that, there will probably be an upfront cost to set up the account. (laughs) For example, in New Zealand, public trust, they have some non-refundable setup fees and that is $709. Public trust also do a really good job of being upfront with their costs. So there might be other costs where if you want to set up a family trust, but you're waiting to transfer your assets, that's probably going to cost you upwards of (laughs) $1,418. plus disimbursements and other costs. 
if you have a straightforward trust, including like the asset transfer, that's going to cost you probably 2500 to 3000 But a complex trust will cost you more. In the US, the average cost of setting up a trust is between 1500 to 2000 And there are cases where there's some super sophisticated trusts that can get up to 7000 and onwards. And attorneys in the US usually charge more comparatively to other countries and sometimes they charge more for just like a consultation or a first time or a first session it's dependent on what state that you're living in if you're single if you're married if there are children involved yeah so dependent on that the cost could go up in Canada if you have a trust it's going to cost you at least a thousand dollars to set up and establish and for a large trust you'll need to appoint a trustee to oversee it and manage the investments that are held within the trust and that's going to cost you too the uk i haven't forgotten about you the cost of creating a simple trust is usually in the region of a thousand pounds to a thousand five hundred pounds Again, the exact amount depends on how much legal advice that you need, how long it takes, your solicited a draft, all the things. And I'm just talking about the setup costs. You know, we haven't even talked about the maintenance costs, so the administrative fees to manage the trust every year. And like I said when I was talking about like the US costs, it really does depend on your situation and how many people are going to be involved. So it is going to cost you. And if you go into this option knowing that it will cost you, I feel like that will give you more of a peace of mind. And when someone comes back to you with a price, you're not going to be as flabbergasted. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I just love that the US trusts are more costly or that they like take more fees for doing the same thing. Like That is the most US thing I have heard. I don't want to contradict what I've just said because, again, I feel like I'm on a roll here in terms of painting a picture. If your house costs like a million dollars, what's $7,000 going to do with the protection that you get? Do you know what I mean? Also, if you feel like you might be at the risk of losing it, like you'd pay $7,000 in legal fees for someone to represent you anyway. Like if you look at your partner and you're like, that person would steal my house one day. I'm kidding. (laughs) Do you know what? I think we should all move forward with the assumption that that is what will happen. That's so sinister. I just feel like you can't trust people nowadays, you know? You can't even trust family. So, Well, that is true. (laughs) That makes it sound so bad. Like, my family are fine. (laughs) Sonia's family are incredible. Like, I don't think I've heard them raise their voice at each other once, and that is saying something for knowing someone for 25 years. It's me raising my voice. (laughs) Now, moving forwards from, like, the whole cost situation, a second disadvantage is disclosure obligations and just more compliance than if the asset was just under your name. When your assets are in a trust, the trustees have disclosure obligations to beneficiaries, which usually are the kids. Some people aren't fond of the fact that they have to like give certain information out to beneficiaries about trusts. So I think that is something to think about. If you're a person that values their privacy or you don't like sharing information and you want to keep things from your family or children, 
I'm not sure why. Maybe you just don't trust them. Whatever narrative fits, let's just run with it. But you may want to think about that because you do have to disclose a lot more information and you're legally required to do that within the trust when you set up a trust than if you had your own home and it was just in your own name and you didn't have to really think about disclosing all of that information. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it, from local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple, increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win, win, win. To learn more about how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. With all of that being said, there's just so much reporting and tracking that you need to do, more so if it wasn't in a trust and it was just yours. Sim talked a little bit about like the tax benefits. Yes, there are some tax benefits. <laughs> Not in New Zealand. Did you think I was lying? Um, <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. But yeah, there are some tax benefits in different countries, sadly not for New Zealand. But with that means that you have to be extra vigilant in keeping a lot of your reporting because there's a lot of complex tax information that you have to give because trusts have their own tax identification numbers and income generated within the trust. It may or may not be subject to specific tax reporting requirements. And that adds to the administrative burden of it all, you know? How am I doing so far? Are you regretting putting your house in a trust? (laughs) No, but I completely agree. Like when I got given the trust document, so I like signed it, it was like this big, like I was like 80 page form and I signed it all electronically, got my dad to sign it and then sent it back. And they were like, oh, you have to print it out and then sign it. And I was like, that's a waste of paper. Like, why would I print out 80 pages? And they're like, we just need a physical copy. And then you have to mail it to us. And I know that's not like the biggest con and it's not the worst thing about the process, but it's just so old school and it's just so much paperwork. And it pissed me off. Like I got to a point where there was so much like jargon and they were throwing all these big words around at me and they're like, and then this does this and then that does that. And then you need this. And then you might also need that. And then you, and I was just like, can you tell me what this means? Because not only is there so much paperwork and compliance, but there's also so many jargon terms that you're using. Like, I still don't know what a beneficiary is. Like, help me out here. Isn't that someone that's a part of the trust that receives benefits from it. What is a beneficiary? I mean, I understand it now, but like at the time when they were like, and then you choose beneficiaries and then you choose trustees and you also need like an acting trust. And it was just, it was a lot. Case in point. Thank you for helping me make my point. The third 
disadvantage and something that is important to consider is that there might be reduced freedom. When you place your property in a trust, it means that you're transferring the legal ownership to the trust itself. And as a result of that, you might lose some degree of control of the property as opposed to like if you had it in your own name and not in a trust, you can kind of do whatever you want with it. And the trustees have a duty to consider all beneficiaries of the trust when they make decisions. So if you want to do something with your house, for example, you'd probably have to go into a little bit of detail of how this impacts everyone. It's not you just thinking about yourself. You have to think about everyone within the trust. The trustees also need to comply with certain duties when you're dealing with the assets. Again, that's just like maintenance and managing of the trust that you'd probably have to do year on year. That's kind of all I wanted to talk about, about the three main disadvantages of having a trust. I will say something that I noted when I was doing my own reading was you really do need to consult with someone like a financial advisor or an estate planning attorney to understand how a trust can align with your specific goals and your circumstances. They will help you weigh the pros and the cons and let you know if the trust is the way to go. And you can take that information and you can dissect it and you can make an informed decision because you'll hopefully be receiving very personalized advice. So if you are feeling a little bit stuck in terms of like, oh, what should I do? Like with my assets, is this something that I should consider? I highly recommend talking to someone about it because Sam, you mentioned you talk to your accountant about it? Yeah, so it was my accountant. And initially my conversation with him was, should I put the house in a company? Because a lot of people don't just buy houses under their name. They buy them under a company. So it would be like Simran Core Limited, for example. That's obviously not what it's called. And he was like, well, if you put it in a company, sure, that's a level of protection, but it's not really that protected. And someone can still contest it and someone can still say, I have rights to it and they can take you to court for it. If you put it in a trust, it's a little bit more ironclad. And so if you're listening to this and going, okay, like I'm still a little bit confused of like who's involved in the trust process. And I know we kind of touched on like titles earlier. So you've got the settler or truster, the person that creates the trust. You've got the trustees. So these are the people that manage the trust. So this can also be the original person. So for me, I am both the settler and the trustee. And I've also got an independent trustee. So sometimes these can be like professionals, like a lawyer or an accountant, so that if something happens, you've got like an independent third party. And then you've got the beneficiaries who are the People that benefit from the trust, as Sonia said, usually family members. Now, if you're looking at all of this and going, who needs a trust and who doesn't? I'm going to throw out some examples. Ooh, love it. I think if you are someone that owns more than one property, put it in a trust. I think if you're someone that has one property, but it's worth a lot, put it in a trust. Like my first house was so not worth the hassle of putting in anything. Like if anyone took that off me, it would be like, fair enough, take it. That's just my personal opinion. I love that house so much. (laughs) It's so cute, but like it's very like started from me. It would be me taking it from you. (laughs) I just think it's such a cute little Nana house. Take it, honestly. (laughs) You've got a Nana car, you've got a little Nana house. Oh my God. She's upgrading. (laughs) Moving on. If you have children, And you have 
the means to help them in their future, but you want to make sure that they don't mess up that money that you give them. Put it in a trust. Like you don't have to give your kids a million dollars to call them a trust fund baby. If you have like $10,000 or $20,000 or $50,000 that you're putting in shares and you don't want your kids to like mismanage that or you want them to not touch it until they're 25 and then they can only pull that money out to either buy a house or for their education or for their wedding and like no other reason, you can set that up in a trust. So those are examples where it benefits you. As someone that shared the benefits of not having a trust, are there any people that you think or situations that you could see yourself in that you'd be like, oh, it's probably not worth it for me? I think if I... I'm single and I make the decision not to have children, I probably wouldn't put my first property in a trust. However, if I bought a property like with my partner, you know, I think there's certain things that when there are more people involved that I would look into getting more serious about it. But if I'm just thinking about myself, and this is so personal, this is so personal. Yeah. Like I wouldn't consider it. That's why I like the examples game because it kind of lets you know when to think about it or when to worry about it. Like sometimes you hear things about what people are doing and you're like, oh crap, should I do that? Let's all take a breath, babes. It's also really helpful, I think, if you just know that you're a super private person. Like even having a will, wills can be public information. Like people will know. And if you don't want that, if you just find that to be a little bit tense, Wills are also very easy to change and they obviously take effect when you pass away. Having trust just like is so much more robust. It's not completely bulletproof, but it's really helpful. It stays private. Yes, it can be expensive. Another thing to consider though is your assets and trusts often are quicker to get to the people that you want to give it to versus will. Like you hear the stories about Will is taking forever and there's stress and there's people like contesting it. In a trust, it's like, nah, that's just Simran's wish. She asked for this money to go here. That's it. Like, tough luck. Another movie example that we could use to maybe look into trusts is that Knives Out movie. I haven't seen it. Is it good? It's really good. Go watch it. Tell me if you think the same thing. Tell me if you want to get a trust after watching Knives Out. (laughs) (laughs) So that's probably a good place to wrap up. And hopefully trusts don't seem that scary anymore. I don't know why. Something about a farm analogy just makes me feel like it's easy. Like it just makes sense. And you are the farmer. You're putting a little ring fence around. You're choosing what you put in that farm. And you're telling people who gets what. If they get anything, you're also telling them if they can't touch it. And that is the benefit of a trust over a will. Now, obviously, you can have both together. You can also have prenups. There's many different ways to protect your assets. And now that you've got a few more jargon terms under your belt, you can take this away, do your own research, and decide if a trust is for you. And I will see you next week, Sonia. See you next week, Sim. Bye. Bye. And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. Alrighty, till next time team. Bye.